Welcome back to Deeper Still, our weekly podcast where uh, Steve and I dig into uh, this week's sermon. And this week uh, on Sunday was Palm Sunday. And so Mark preached um, a really interesting sermon from John 12, verses 12 through 19. And it's the triumphal entry is the, is the bulk of the passage. Um but he took it, he looked at it from a, or he talked about it from a, I thought it was a unique perspective, one that I hadn't heard before. And it was, you know, which angle do you see Jesus from? Are you, um, you know, with the disciples? Are you with the crowd? Are you a Pharisee with his enemies? And um, so maybe just, why don't we just read, since it's a short passage, it's only... A few verses you want to read? Uh, sure. And um, then we can talk. All right. The next day, and the this being the day following Jesus being anointed at Bethany, the next day the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, There's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. So you have the perspective of the crowd, which is just adoration and praise and... um, I feel like I'm going to sneeze, sorry. Uh, Adoration, and, you know, they're just um, excited uh, to see him. And, you know, and and Mark pointed out, or I think it actually, maybe it says in the passage right there, (laughs) you know, that Lazarus. Yes. Yeah, so they, a lot of them um, had heard about what happened with Lazarus. And so there's this... um, you know, just this excitement. So anyway, then... Yeah, it's rock star status. The Pope right. is here. Type energy. So you have that, and then you have the disciples who are just really are misunderstanding what's happening. Why are we doing this? They're Why is confused. he on a donkey? Right. What in the world is this? And then you have the Pharisees who just want to kill him. Yeah. Um, so... Um, yeah, what do you have thoughts? I mean, we could we could take each one of those or yeah. One thought I had one um, thought that that struck me when I was reading it again today is that the disciples um, and you just read it again. It says they they misunderstood or they were confused. They did. But it wasn't until Jesus had been glorified, then they remembered the right. prophecies from the Old Testament, and they understood. And I just think how often, and in our lives, I know how often in my life, 
I am confused or misunderstand or read the signs wrong of what the Lord is up to. And it's not until later, you know, like say after the situation has passed that I'm able to look back and go, oh, now I get it. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the, um, <clears throat> one of the great tragedies of theology and the church world together is that we're real big on filling in the blanks. Something happens, so it means this. I prayed a certain way, and so this is what I should expect. This is what the Bible says, therefore this is how it's going to play out in my life. And I think with the disciples, there's some of that going on. Like, um, you know, there's obviously 12 men who hear what they want to hear all the way through the story. Um, You know, they're always expecting Jesus to do something and being disappointed or being confused. I mean, they didn't understand. It happens all the time with the disciples. Um, but I think that's that's very true, you know, of us, whether you're hearing the TV preacher that says, hey, send in $1,000, here's your blessing. Um, but I think that that's a very common uh, thing that happens in the disciples, certainly. And it's incredible because as he says to them, um, I'm studying for Easter right now. I just walked away from the Easter sermon. Um, But when Jesus is walking with the two guys on the way to Emmaus, they are talking about everything that has happened. You know, we thought he was a prophet. You know, we thought he was the Messiah. And then Jesus disguised later on, you know, as soon as as they kind of finish what they have to say, he explains to them, their eyes are open, and he's like, I've been telling you this all along. I've explained this to you time and time again. Jesus is telling them point blank what he's going to do. They're hearing allegory, illustration. Maybe this is a parable. By death, you don't really mean death. Um, And that's certainly the disciples here. I mean, how many times has he told them, here's what's going to go down in Jerusalem. Here's who's who's going to do it. And they just don't get a bit of it. Well, and I, I mean, I don't really blame them. I think it just feels too fantastical, you know, that um, they could believe that he was going to die, be crucified, and then be raised to life. They believed he, I mean, you know, they said that they believed he was the son of God, you know, but, but I think they had different expectations for what that meant. Um... I just and 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 so that that too I think was true of the crowd and Mark pointed this out in the sermon. You know the crowd had false expectations for him that he was riding in and he was gonna you know be a conqueror and the king and you know set up an earthly kingdom and do do all these things for the for the for them here on earth. So they had false expectations and then when those expectations were not fulfilled. And he was crucified a few days later. You know, what do you do? You know, what were they doing with that emotion? And I just, you know, so obviously we want to kind of apply it to our own lives. And I just think, you know, we we don't see so often we don't see until the situation has passed. We don't see what Jesus is doing in the moment we misunderstand or we place our false expectations on him and then when he doesn't come through with what we thought he was going to um 
I just think there's, depending on what angle you're looking at Jesus from in your own life, there's so much room for hurt and anger and um, disappointment, discouragement, disillusionment. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, with the with the crowd, you're right. And, and you get to see some of what their expectations are. Like you said, you know, um, back in those days, conquering kings would ride in mm-hmm. to a city. <clears throat> you definitely have the king language. Here he comes. He's going to do his thing. Jerusalem is his. Doesn't happen. Others are expecting another miracle. He just raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus has never been. His hands have never been hotter than they are right now. So some of them are expecting him to do something great. Um, but yeah, expectation is big all the way through, where the disciples don't know what to expect here. Mm-hmm. The crowd's expecting something else completely. Um, and then, of course, the Pharisees expected to take him out right then and there, and that doesn't happen. So it's it really is. I love that. I, like you said, I love that Mark asked, asked the question, you know, what's your angle when it comes to Jesus? Are you... Like the disciples, you don't, you have no idea what Jesus is up to, or you're really disappointed that this is it, or is it like the crowd? It's going to be X, it's going to be Y. Um, yeah, that's a great question that he's asking. Yeah. And then, of course, it's going to play out very differently for right. just just about everybody, but the Pharisees are going to get what they want very quickly with Jesus right. when they finally get rid of him. But even their expectation that he's going to stay in the ground for good, that expectation is completely dashed. Right. Yeah. So I guess for me it raises a couple of questions. Can we talk about, like, just our own personal lives now? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like We can talk can we... about yours, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think for me it raises a couple of questions. With the disciples, well, for one thing... They did not have to, I mean, they had been with him for three years, but at this point in time, the triumphal entry, they did not have to wait. You know, he was crucified and all, I mean, it feels like all hope is lost right there. You know, Peter's lost, wandering around, you know, the disciples are hiding out after he's been crucified, but they don't have to wait, you know, that long, three days, and then mm-hmm. he's he's raised from the dead, and he's back in their life, and everything has changed. But so often in our lives, that's it's not a couple of days. Right. Sometimes it can be weeks or months or even years that we are... In this place of Jesus, what are you doing? What are you up to? We thought, I mean, gosh, you know, I was so close to you. I've I've been walking with you for this long, and you've been saying all this stuff to me, and I felt like you were making all these promises to me, and nothing is turning out the way I thought it was going to. Mm -hmm. So then we can take on the, I mean, what, 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 I mean, what, 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 what do you do? Yeah. Well, and then what's funny here, too, is that these three groups all change places mm-hmm. when Christ is crucified. Like, you have an excited crowd. Yes, we're finally getting what we want. Here comes the king. Well, they kind of trade places with the Pharisees who, they're really, they're really disappointed. Darn it. This isn't, we can't kill him now. 
they'll kill him in three days. And then they're kind of like the crowd going, yeah, we finally got what we wanted. So those two shift places, the crowd, you know, the disciples start off, they don't understand what is going on. When Christ is crucified for those three days, that is the crowd. Everybody in Jerusalem is thrown, you know, well, no, he was going to be the king. He was going to take over. He was going to do a miracle. He was going to do something. Now what in the world's going on? And then the disciples kind of trade places with the Pharisees where they're really upset here that their plan's all messed up. That's the disciple. They're, they're, the disciples are just devastated. So, you know, it's interesting how all three groups kind of swap places. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and I wonder even, you know, the question you ask, what do we do when Jesus disappoints or he doesn't fulfill expectations? You know, what are we supposed to do in those times? Because there's a lot of waiting. There is a whole lot of waiting in the Christian life. There's a lot of disappointment. God, you are going to. God, where are you? You know, David, you know, God, my tears have been my food day and night. What's going on here? There's a lot of disappointment and there's a lot of waiting, waiting for deliverance, waiting for God to show up, you know, waiting for a prayer to be answered, waiting for discipleship to take hold and for, you know, us to finally grow up and be what, you know, what God's promised a lot of that there is and I think it's interesting I think that you pointed out the cycle of you know uh, the disciples Pharisees crowd you know that and we um, we go through that same yeah. um, you know emotional roller coaster of yay God's awesome things are so great look at what he's doing as or is about to do to what and <laughs> what and then anger, you know, like the Pharisees, anger, frustration, you know, just that that passion of, um, well, anger really, <laughs> and and you know, so we, we all we I think we go through that cycle too in our own personal lives when we are yeah in a season, um, but you know, I do think is. It's important to point out that Jesus never, like his intention and his plan and what he was about and what he was going to do, it never changed. Mm -mm. It wasn't like he told the disciples all these amazing things that he was going to do. And then at the 11th hour said, oh, you know, I'm actually, I'm not going to fall through with that. And so that's why they were disappointed. They just didn't understand. Yeah. Yeah, so the... So the question I have now is, how do we do this better then? Because God is faithful. He will always do what he says he's going to do. God is good. God is love. He's going to complete the work he started in us. So there's no problem on God's end. So how do we do this better? Because some of this, with the crowd, the disciples, and the Pharisees, some of this is just being a human. You know, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be really excited. We're going to be incredibly confused. Every person, regardless of maturity, is going to go through that. And yet, there's something to really learn here. Um, And I think it starts with being absolutely assured that God is who He says He is. You know, He's absolutely faithful. And I think that, that can help us with some of it. To say, okay, look, there's not going to be a problem on God's end. So how do I go through life better? And um, 
You've quoted this several times, and we heard it together the first time. I don't remember who said it, because your memory actually functions well. You probably will remember who said it. But we heard someone say, there is nothing that, as, as a Christian, there is nothing that comes my way that doesn't pass through God's hands first. Right. Which I think, I find incredibly comforting. Like I can say, okay, if nothing else, I can thank God for where I am because I'm not a hapless victim. This isn't some kind of crazy attack. I'm not going to be taken out. So Lord, I can thank you regardless of what the season is. You know, if I'm waiting, I can thank you in this wait. I can thank you. Um, when I'm incredibly confused or obviously when I'm excited, it's easy to thank you or when I'm really disappointed. I feel like at least there's a place to start with who he is and that I am under construction. You know, God is at work here. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if we believe that everything passes through the hands of God, before it reaches us, then we have to believe that everything in our lives is working out for our good. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that means that everything that happens to us is good and everything that happens to us is necessarily from God, <clears throat> but I do think it means that He can make you know, beauty from ashes. Well, he's with us in all things. We he already is. know that. Yeah. And I like that, you know, because we talked about that with David last time. You know, some of the things that are going on in David's life in Second Samuel in the in the uh, twelve through eighteen. I, I mean, it's sin in play. You know, it's David. You you put sin in play here in a big way. God didn't do those things that caused this chaos. But he is with me. He is redeeming. And I love that. That's one of the things I loved about Reformed theology. You take that out, and this whole thing gets really scary fast. Like, you know, I hope God's involved here. Um, You know, I hope that God is sovereign somehow. I mean, otherwise, who knows what's coming at you, where it's coming from, how it's going to play out. Um, But if God is who Scripture says, we have unbelievable comfort even when life isn't very comforting you know even when the situation's nuts we have assurances that make a gigantic difference but i do i know i don't think i know there are times when we are like the disciples would have been or were after he was crucified you know alone, afraid, hiding out, fearful for their own lives. Like, I, you know, probably thoughts of, like, I just spent the last three years of my life wasted. Like, I was crazy. How was I so deluded? And I know that we, to believe this man, and I know that we go through times like that as a Christian, as a human being, as a person, where we just feel like, there is no hope. Like, I can't believe I've trusted you, God, for X number of years. And, wow, it really does feel like you have died and you're not going to be raised again in my life. Like, I don't 
I don't see that happening in my life personally. Um, I know we've experienced that. Well, we've got a situation right now that I won't uh, I won't go into because it involves other people and it is right now. But we had a conversation recently where we were looking over a period of our life and just going, has this amount of time in our life just been a complete waste? Have we just poured ourselves into something for absolutely no reason? And um, the biblical story is, no, there's nothing's ever wasted. When you're, when you're following Christ, um, nothing is wasted. God just doesn't do that. So how do you then align yourself with his perspectives? Yeah. Like how, because, okay, so this is interesting. Because if we're, if, we're, if we're going from this scripture, this story, the disciples, <clears throat> they didn't get his perspective until he showed up again. <laughs> I mean, you know, they just didn't. You know, there was no such thing as trust or the faith, I don't think. I don't, I don't think they had faith to believe that he was. I think they really thought they were crazy. They had just believed something that was a hoax or, you know. Um, so. Well, and look at, look at the aftermath because that's exactly right. When Christ is crucified or when he's taken away, what happens to Peter? He goes... Peter exits weeping bitterly, running off into the night. Right. The disciples are hiding out in an upper room. I mean, you know, it's not like, oh, praise God, you know, God's going to work this out, and we just got this, and everybody, raise your hands. Raise your hands in (laughs) victory. You know, there's none of that. These guys are devastated. Well, I think best case scenario. For the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Best case scenario, maybe they were thinking, well, things just didn't work out the way Jesus thought they were going to. You know, worst case scenario, they probably they might have been thinking we we believed a total liar. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but a couple of days later, and ta-da! Oh all their all their wildest dreams, all their you know everything is realized. When it's like Pedro and Napoleon Dynamite. All your wildest dreams have come true. <laughs> and and but so but we but you know we. So I guess what, how do we in those in those moments, those days, those months, of feeling like the disciples must have felt? Well, how do we? Because we know the truth, you know. We know, even if we're in our deepest, darkest, we still there's a, there's a part of us that mm-hmm. knows the truth. We know Jesus is real and alive, and we've aligned our, ourselves with Him. So. How do we then align ourselves with his perspective in yeah. those dark moments? How do we do that? How do we get the perspective yeah. of the crowd again, you know, when they're just excited and worshiping him and, um, you know, adoring him? How do we get, how do we get there? I think that the greatest help, the greatest example of what to do is David. And... Um, all throughout the Psalms, but in particular, Psalm 73, David is, um, probably, I don't know what, I don't know exactly what's going on with him, but he has had it at the beginning of the Psalm. I mean, he is ticked. He's very disappointed with God. Um, and he, he talks about some of it. You know, he says, hey, you know, God, the, the wicked always get ahead. Um, you know, the prideful, they adorn themselves with their arrogance like a necklace. And he's just, he's so upset 
with how the sinful are just, they seem to be blessed and prosperous. And he, he has given God both barrels in the beginning of the psalm. Mm. And then he says, but then I entered the sanctuary of God and I beheld you. And suddenly I understood. Understood. Um, he, he said, you know, I, 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 in your presence, I realized their future is, mm. it's a nightmare. And look at me, here I am with you. Everything I always have, it, it, everything I need, I have in you. And he just has this complete perspective shift. Um, and then at the end of the psalm, he's just like, ooh, God is awesome. It's so good to be near God. God, you're amazing. Nothing's changed at all. There isn't not one circumstance changed. But he changed, and it's kind and of he weird made that change by going into the sanctuary. Yeah, the he Lord. he just got with the Lord, and I think, you know, God gives him a glimpse of the future. But I think for us, it's the same type of thing. But it's usually going back that we see it. Like when you you know when you get really upset with God or bewildered or whatever, and you look back at God, like all right, let me let me look at his track record here, and you realize he's never failed because. Back here in my life, all this stuff was falling apart. And then there's back over there when I had no resources, no money. I had all these incredible needs and, you know, or here, here was this tra- tragedy way back there. God, mm-hmm. there's never been a time in my life when God has failed me. Mm-hmm. And it's like looking back, you realize your future. You know, God, you, you, you never let me down. You, and I, I, so I think it's almost like a self-testimony. You know, you look, you take a look at your life, you see what God has done, and it just changes your perspective. Nothing's changed yet, but wow. You know, it's like, like Israel, the great the great sin of the Old Testament is just forgetting God. Mm-hmm. You know, but you go back, you look, and suddenly you remember, right. and everything changes. And I think that really gives kind of a whole new a perspective even to our trials and our difficult situations that we walk through because if we if we don't if we didn't have those in our lives we could never get to that place to where we could look back and say oh god you were so faithful here and here and here and here Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so it's like the disciples the first i mean they went through that after jesus was crucified They'd never been through anything like that before. Jesus had been with them for three years. They This was the worst trial of their lives and their relationship with him. And they didn't really have anything to look back at other than, you know, his teachings. But they didn't have, you know, in their relationship with him. But they didn't have, like, th- this was the first time that Jesus had failed them. Yeah. What felt like, fa- what felt like a failure to them. And so... Then they they make it through that situation, and then they're forever changed. Yeah. They know they know that now God is faithful, and so like in our own lives, I guess that's what I'm saying is that it kind of it helps put trials and hardships in perspective. Yeah, like there is a, another reason for them, and it is to build our trust mm-hmm. and our walk. Our, I mean, our faith in the Lord. Um, I mean, that's one thing that I actually. Um, enjoy about getting older, you know, is that I do feel like even though it's way, way far from being perfect, I do feel like my trust in the Lord and my um, is way, I keep saying way, is much 
deeper right. than it was when I was in my 20s or my 30s. Um, and my um, ability, my freak out, you know, monitor yeah. doesn't go off as as quickly as it used to or even as often. You know, like when you're in your 20s and your 30s and you just you freak out or you just you you lose it so quickly. Now there's this whole years and decades of walking with the Lord where I know he's going to be faithful and I know this might be a dark season, but we'll be, I'll be back in the crowd again. I'll see things from, from their perspective again. So there's a, there's a deeper, maybe that's what that quote means, you know, that everything comes to us through the hand of the Lord, that, you know, it's all for a, a purpose, you know, all for our maturity, deepening. Well, scripture says that, <laughs> you know, count it all joy, you know, because it is for our um, maturity and our growth. Yeah, it's really, it really gets fun, I think, too, as you get older, to be able to kind of look down the barrel of the gun, whatever whatever the gun is now, you know, what's whatever crazy situation, and to be able to say with, even if it's a sliver of more confidence, I've never, I wasn't taken out last time. I have no idea how this is, how God's going to fix this, but He will because that's just what He does. Um, but yeah, just I mean, just to go back to the disciples too. I think it's really easy to read this, you know, this account and to kind of feel like you know they they, they should have figured it out. But when you think of the how colossal this failure seems to be of Jesus, it's incredible, you know. Because there have been so many Messiah-type figures that have come before, and they've all failed. What surely Jesus can't be one of them. I mean, he's raised the dead for crying out loud. And yet here he is. He's dead and buried. Mm-hmm. I mean, the failure is, whoa, um, God couldn't, you know, God couldn't come through. Is he even God? I mean, I don't know that there's ever been a disappointment or a, for sure failure as big as this one, but, you know, from the disciples' perspective. And then at the end, what do they find out? This was God's perfect plan all oh. along. It was exactly, it had to be exactly like this, right. or no one would have been saved or set free. Mm. But I tell you, I wouldn't trade place with those guys for those three days that they had to spend mm. with Jesus dead before he was raised. Oh, my gosh, I wouldn't trade places with them for a second. Mm. That must have been it. And can you imagine their joy? Yeah. You know, when they yeah. saw him and the two women came rushing yeah. in. He's not there, you know. And Peter and John uh, race yeah. out. They have that foot race to yeah. the to the tomb. And John says he beats Peter there. Or, and then Peter goes rushing in. And then they come back and they're going nuts. And Thomas just won't believe it. And, you know, and, t- and everybody makes fun of Thomas. But, oh, well, he's just a doubter. But how could you believe it uh, unless you saw it? I mean, right. yes, of course. What else do you want to believe more than he's alive? I got. I've got to see the wounds to believe yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then their joy after that. I mean. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then Pentecost is. You know. After yeah. that, it's just. Wow. What a what a what a story. What um, a finish. I like. I going back to the, to the very beginning when you talked about the, two men on the road to Emmaus and they're walking and, you know they I just I love that. Their eyes were not opened to to see who Jesus was until 
until Jesus yeah. ordained it. And he said, you know, he removed the veil, you know. And I, I just, I think, to me that's very comforting for some reason, you know, that when we're going through really hard times and situations and we're, and we're grappling and struggling and, and trying so hard to find the right perspective on the situation and that just in the right moment, Jesus is going to lift the veil. And then we see he was there all along. Right. Yeah. Right. It was him all along, but but they couldn't see it. And we don't see it just until that moment where he removes the veil from our eyes and we see, oh, my gosh, you've yeah. been here all along and you've been working out all of this for my good anyway. So I, I just amazing. find that really comforting. You know what makes me laugh about the, this has nothing to do with anything, but it's fun. Uh, the two guys on the way to Emmaus. I love that, you know, they're sitting there talking about what happened to Jesus. And then Jesus shows up. They can't, they don't recognize him. And then I think it's so funny that they then start telling Jesus about what happened to Jesus. <laughs> I just think that's, I read that today. I was just laughing so hard, like, oh my gosh. You know, how often do we try to, Kind of tell God what's really going on, and He's just well. I think that so we think so that, our, yeah. yeah. I mean, sure, we think our perspective is king. Yeah. You know, the way we see things has got to be right. Yeah. There is no other. I mean, God, let me tell you in prayer what you really need to know about me and the situation, and you know. Yeah. And He's got it. He's got it from beginning to end. Yeah. So. Yeah, so again, I feel like like so much that we talk about, I feel like for me anyway, it just always boils down to surrender and Mm. trust. Yeah. Almost always. Right on. Well, good. It was fun digging deeper today, wasn't it? Yes. Happy Easter. Happy Holy Week this week. If you're part of our KPC family or in the local area, you should come out to our Tenebrae service on Thursday night. Yes. Seven o'clock. Um, it's really a, a meaningful service. Beautiful service. Yeah. Yeah. Very old school. Service of mourning. Um, so, yeah. And then Sunday, come out and party with us on Easter. Yeah. Um, 10 o'clock. We'll do some worshiping and all kind of stuff together. We're just going to really, really lean into the resurrection. So if you don't have plans, come join us. And if you're a long distance away, there are still some airline tickets, so we would love to have you come see us. <laughs> All right, friends, see you next time. God bless. Check out the webpage. So long. <laughs>